Well, let's uh, open our Bibles. Why don't we do that? That'd be a good thing for us to do. My name is Jeff. I'm a pastor here. I get the privilege of preaching God's Word. So if you would open your Bibles with me to the book of Colossians chapter 3. Colossians chapter 3. If you don't have a Bible, you can find us on the Bible app on your phone. You can, uh, under more events, you can just kind of follow along there, take notes, or you'll notice our ushers are coming around. We want you to have a, a copy of God's Word. You can have a physical copy of God's Word in front of you. Here's the deal. We don't need a message from me. You know that? Like, you really don't need to hear anything that I have to say. We really need to hear from the Lord this morning. We need the Word. And that's what we're taking a look at this morning in Colossians chapter 3. We want to see lives in Northern Virginia that are transformed. And we know that the one thing that is going to transform lives is the glory of God. So we're praying this year. We're not, don't stop. Don't stop praying for this. We're praying that we would see 100 stories of lives transformed by the glory of God. What's crazy is uh, we, we already have some stories that are happening. And, and today, today might be the start of your story. And uh, if you've got a story of how God is changing you Would you tell us, let let us know what God is doing in your heart. We love to celebrate. We're trying to unleash our creatives right now to kind of capture and share these stories of what God is doing in our community. What a privilege it is that he uses his church. This is what we call uncommon community. And as we've been kind of exegeting our culture a little bit, and just like, this is where we live. We're, we're trying to just gauge uh, the community in which we live. We know that uncommon community is seriously lacking in Northern Virginia. And so we're pursuing this. What's awesome is that we, we and I don't even know why, but, but God is doing it. Our uncommon community is, is growing here at Harvest. We're seeing more and more people that are coming, which is awesome. But, but hear me on this. I, this is not lost on me that Numbers do not automatically mean mature growth. We want to make disciples that are mature and multiplying people who really love and who really follow Jesus, and we want to grow. I'm not not ashamed of saying that. We want to grow, but just not numerically. We also want to grow in maturity. Ephesians chapter 4.15 would say that we're to grow up in every way into him who is the head. We're supposed to grow. We want that, but the way we say it around here is is that we're not just about a quantity of disciples, but a, a quality of discipleship. So one of the things that we're asking in this month is, are we fulfilling our mission. Our mission here at Harvest is to glorify God through the fulfillment of the Great Commission. And and what's the Great Commission? What are we supposed to do? Go and make disciples. So so I'm kind of asking, like, are we doing what we say we're all about? Are we making disciples? And right now, um, we've we've been taking a look at our, our small groups. And, and what our small groups are supposed to really look like. Because for us, our, our small groups are a, a key platform or, or vehicle of discipleship. And we want to make sure that our small groups are truly uncommon communities that are making disciples. So, so what should they look like? What, 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 what is at the heart of this uncommon community? What are our small groups? Are they healthy? We want to know that. We want to be growing. What do we need in order for our community? to truly be growing. Well, as we're looking in Colossians chapter 3, I would say it this way. If we're 
going to be an uncommon community experiencing uncommon growth, then we need an unashamed commitment to an uncommon book. So, so we believe around here that God wrote a book. It's called the Bible, which is why we also call this God's Word. Okay? So what I'm suggesting to you today, and, and I hope that this is like really loud and clear, we need God's Word. We need the Word of God if we're going to grow. And so we're going to look at Colossians chapter 3. I'm actually only going to preach one verse. In fact, I'm only going to preach half of one verse, if you can believe it or not. We're going to be in Colossians chapter 3. We're going to be focusing in on Colossians 3.16. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all uh, wisdom. But I, I want to get a little bit of context here. I think it's always appropriate. I mean, we're not, we're not just proof texting. We know what the context is of what Paul is saying. So if you're there, Colossians chapter 3. I want to start reading in verse 12. You there? Starting in verse 12, Paul says, Put on then, as God's chosen holy ones, uh, chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, bearing with one another. And if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other as the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. So that's really important that we would have this kind of interaction going on with one another in our community, right? We're going to be patient. We're going to bear with one another. We're going to forgive one another. In verse 14, and above all of these, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony, and let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you are called in one body. And be thankful. Now watch this, watch this. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. And whatever you do, in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. So I hope that this is going to be really clear. Uh, I, I really couldn't say it any, any better than that, but, but um, we need the word. And so if, if, if I could just like lay out a big idea for you this morning, I would say it this way. We grow when we let the word in and use the word with one another. We're only going to grow when we let God's Word in and then we use God's Word with one another. And I hope that you notice that's sequential, okay? Like, so, so let's take a look. Let's just like break this down. First thing, you're taking notes. That's the first thing. It's really simple. Let the Word in. Let the Word in. What he says is let the Word of Christ dwell in you richly. So, so can we just acknowledge like the Word of Christ that's not something that we say a lot. I mean, we talk about, really it's referring to the Bible, okay? But when we talk about the Bible, we often call it God's Word or the Word of God. So why is Paul saying the, the Word of, of Christ? Is that, is that the same thing? Well, it's actually a really appropriate way to talk about Scripture. Because literally, Jesus Christ says He is the Word. And these are his words. And it's all about Him. So Jesus is the Son of God, meaning He doesn't have a beginning. He was there at the beginning. And this is the word that He has given to us. And so we could almost say it like this. Jesus is the author and the hero of this book. 
And he's told us that, and he, and he actually makes us, helps us understand and proves this to us. John chapter 5, I've got this for you on the screen. I love this. Jesus was talking to some of the people that were nearby, and he said this, you search the scriptures, and, 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 and at that point, there was no New Testament. So what's he talking about? He's talking about what we know as the Old Testament, right? And, and can we just admit, like, most of the time, we don't think about the Old Testament as like, that's not about Jesus, right? But a lot of times, we think about the Old Testament as just a, a collection of bunch of stories of these heroes or, or, or like failures that we're supposed to learn from, which yes, there's stuff in there, but what Jesus is saying, you, you're searching all the scriptures because you think that in them you have eternal life, and it is they, it is the scriptures that bear witness about me. So the Old Testament was pointing to Jesus. In fact, uh, it, after Jesus had died on the cross and he rose from the grave, he actually met with two guys that were walking on the road. They were walking on the road to Emmaus, and Jesus started walking with them. In Luke chapter 24, it says this, and beginning with Moses and all the prophets. So, so, so he's like going back into the Old Testament. Let's, let's just talk about that. What he says is he interpreted to them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. Means the whole Bible is pointing to Jesus, which is why Paul would say in 2 Corinthians chapter 1, all the promises of God find their yes in Him. It's all about Him. And can I, like, I get it. Like, some of you, like, when you pick up the Bible, you feel like it's, it's kind of confusing. And I don't always, I, like, I start reading it, and I don't always get it. And yes, I would say it is rich, it is complex, but yet there's a simplicity and there is a clarity to this message. It's all about Jesus. Jesus is our creator, and he is our savior, and he's our king who's coming again is going to set all things right. It's all about Christ. And so what an appropriate way for Paul to say, what I want you to do is, I want you to take a look at this, this book, this message, the message of the gospel. It is the word of Christ. And what he says is, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. Um, we don't. We don't say that word very often these days. We don't, we don't talk about like, well, I dwell in uh, Jones Street. And we don't, we don't talk about that. We just say, well, I live, right? That's the same concept. It just means like you live in, in a house or in a home. And so what Paul is saying, he's not saying, uh, do you have a Bible in your home? But has the Bible made its home in you? Did you let the word in? Does it, is it inside of you like it lives there? Not, not like an unwanted guest. Not, not like when you invite your parents back over uh, to hang out with you and you're like super happy to have them there, but you're also equally excited to see them go because you don't live with them anymore. They don't live with you. And so like it, 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 that's not what he's saying. He's saying, let them come on in. Let the word in like it lives here. What, what a fantastic imagery that he's using here. Now, I thought about this. If we could just kind of stretch the analogy just a little bit. Don't treat the word like the pizza delivery guy or, or like Uber Eats, something along that. You, you know, whenever somebody comes over, and I know uh, you're happy to have that guy come and visit where you live when you need what he has to offer, right? You're like, man, when you, with that cheesy, delicious gooeyness, I'm happy to have you come. But I'm not inviting you in. I'm not, I'm not asking you to come sit down on the couch, and we're not going to have a conversation. I'm certainly not giving you a slice of pizza. There's an expectation that, yeah, I'm, I'm glad you're here, but we're going to be able to do this pretty quickly. So I know we need to interact, but let's just get it over with. How many of us actually treat 
our attempts at daily Bible reading like that. We're like, you know, hey God, I just, I just need something real quick. Okay, I got a lot of things going on. I just, can you just give me something real quick? Or, or, or we, we get into it, like, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read my Bible. I'm going to do this. All right, I'm going to like psych ourselves up. Like, I'm, I'm going to get into a Bible reading plan, right? I am going to read, I'm going to read a whole chapter, chapter a day. That's what I'm going to do. And so you get into it, you look, you're like, oh, that's really long. I'm going to do, do a paragraph. We're going to do a paragraph. Because that, like, I can meditate on that. God wants me to meditate. It's going to be easier for me to do that. So let's do a, let's do a paragraph. And you read one verse, you're like, wow, that's a really good verse. I like that. Let's do a verse. Let's do a verse a day, right? A verse, and hey, God, thanks for stopping by. Well, well I, and I realize for a lot of us, it's, it's, it's so much easier for us to treat God's word like that. Like it's something that I'm happy to have you come for just a brief moment, but I don't really want to spend a whole lot of time on this. And what Paul is saying is, no, 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 it, it's not just paying a visit. It's living in you. Open up the door and let God's word in. Let Christ have access. He's a part of every day and all day. He says, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. So I might say, don't treat the word of God like you're an Airbnb or um, like you're renting out a room to a poor college kid who can't afford a house. You're like, okay, listen, listen. Happy to have you over. Uh, I'm going to give you a room. I'm going to give you some, you're, you're going to have some space, but there's some boundaries, okay? Don't go over here. You're not, you're not allowed over in this area, and, and don't touch my stuff. How many of us treat our Bible reading like that? Where it's like compartmentalized, and I carve out a little bit of space. I, 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 okay, God, listen, I'm going to give you 10 minutes. And that's a big deal. I mean, that's a premium on my time, right? My time is really, I'm going to give you like 10 minutes. Just don't mess anything up. Don't, don't interfere. That's all you got. What he's saying is let, 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 it, let it dwell richly like it's filling the house. And so, so I, I'm going to let the word in and Jesus can, he can remodel and he can rearrange the furniture and redecorate and fill every corner, every closet. He can have it all. He has unrestricted access. I give him a key because he lives here. That's just what he does. And I am going to spend time. I'm going to let Christ make himself at home in my life. That's what it would mean to let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. What would that, what would that look like? practically, on a day-to-day basis. I got a few words that I would say. Um, I think it would be natural. It'd be natural as, as opposed to like forced and awkward, okay? That, that um, Bible reading and spending time with Christ would be as normal part of my daily routine as brushing my teeth. And it's just like, that's what I do. And it no longer feels like some big accomplishment. Like I read my Bible. It's just normal. I just, I'm going to spend time with the Lord. And it wouldn't be shocking for you to hear me talking about um, what I've read during the day. Like it should not be awkward for your wife or for your kids to suddenly hear you say, hey, let's, let's open up our Bibles. Let, let's talk about that. It shouldn't be awkward for your roommate or your coworker to hear you say, can I, can I tell you about something I was reading this morning? I was reading in Scripture, and, and, and I, just, I just want to share, I've been thinking about this. Like, it, it should be so natural for us to turn the conversation to Jesus and his word. But if the word of Christ is not dwelling in us richly, then I realize that a lot of us are thinking like, man, if I, if I did that, if I said that, most people would look at me, they'd be like, what are you talking about? Like, you've, never, you've never said that before. That'd be weird. And so maybe we just need to fight the awkwardness at first 
and get to a point where it's just natural. This is what we do. I'm letting the word in. So it would be natural, and I also think it would be influential. It would be influential because Jesus is my Lord, which means that he is governing my life and my decision-making, my relationship with Christ is so important. It's such a high priority that, that I check with him for my decisions. I check with him for my schedule, and I prioritize being with him and with his people. I want to be with Christ in the Bible. When I'm reading this, man, I, I come across something, and it can change my direction. I let this dictate how I'm going to live my life. I go to the Word of God when I'm, when I'm struggling, when I need that hope, when, I, when, when I'm wrestling with things in my life. I need some security. I need assurance. I go to the Word of God. This has influence in my life. Now, I've shared with you guys before part of my testimony is the, the Lord really got a hold of me when I was in Bible college, and, and all of a sudden I was in God's Word a lot. And, and I was starting to see it change my life. And I started seeing it change other people. I thought, what a, what, how, how awesome would it be to be able to be a part of that where we see other people being changed by the power of this book. It's so influential that we would let the Word of Christ dwell in us so richly that He's influencing where my feet go and, and what my eyes look at and what my hands do. This book can change our lives. And so it's It's natural. And it's influential, uh, and it's also bountiful. Uh, I, I kind of picture a hot air popcorn popper. You ever seen one of those? You know what I'm talking about, where the, the, the popcorn starts popping and it starts to overflow into the bowl? That's the picture here, that we are so filled with Christ that it's just spilling out into my conversations. And everybody knows, it is so obvious to them that I've been spending time in his word and that Jesus is changing my life. That's the idea of it's going to dwell in us richly. It's bountiful and abundant and everybody's going to be able to see that. And then it's also continual. Because again, the, the idea of dwelling is, is not just a visit. So, so it's not just like, I, I, I'm, I'm going to read my Bible for a couple days in a row. Or I started off great, but then I kind of let it fizzle out, and there's lots of starts and stops in my Bible reading, and I'm trying, and I, and I realize that's, that's where a lot of us are. I, I, I understand that, that, that some of you have kind of said that, that, man, if I, if I let it go today, I know that it's going to be a few weeks, it's going to be a couple months before I really get back into it. It's not that. It, it, it's, it's constant. It is continual. It's ongoing. It's daily. Yes, sometimes it's a grind, but it's faithfully getting into the Word of Christ. It's not the Sunday morning scramble where we're like, i got to find my Bible. I, I know I set it down after church last week, and I don't remember where I find it. Like, oh, there it is. I find my Bible, and i got to blow it off, blow the dust off so I can go to church on Sunday. We're going to spend time in the Word of God. And listen, you're not going to grow. And we are not going to be a growing, healthy church without the Word. So I know a lot of you, and I, I get it. You, you want this. You want this? You say, I want to let the word in. Like, where, where do I start? Well, let me give you just a, a few things to think about. First, I would say, get the gospel. Get the gospel. Don't, don't miss this, okay? This is not just a to-do list item. This, this flows from my love for Christ because He first loved me and now he has become my greatest joy and we've said this this morning as we were celebrating communion you don't earn favor with God you don't earn God's favor 
by reading your Bible like it's a chore. Like, I'm going to have a much better day today because I read my Bible, and, and God's going to bless me because he did. No, we're, we're, we're doing this because we have the favor because of what Jesus has done. And, and so now I have a relationship with, with Christ. I want to be with him, and getting into God's word is just enjoying his presence. And so, so I need to cultivate the discipline of getting into the gospel of Christ so that he dwells in me richly. So, I would, so I'd say get the gospel, and then I'd say get a plan. Get a plan. And maybe that is. Maybe you're going to do a chapter a day. And in and, and a lot of ways, it doesn't matter where you start. I mean, it might be really difficult if you decide to pick up Leviticus and start there, but that's fine. God can use that. But just get into it. We're going to, maybe I'm going to read a chapter a day. Maybe I'm going to try to do that like Bible in a year thing. I go through the whole Bible in a year. That'd be fantastic. There are, if you have the Bible app, there's all sorts of plans that are available to you. you just you know, little bits at a time, seven-day plan, a 14-day plan, a 40-day plan, getting into the Word. Some of you, maybe your plan is just read. Because you feel like, man, I get into a plan and then I get behind and, and it's so hard for me. Just, just read God's Word. But I would say, get a plan. And then can I say, uh, get, a, get a Bible reading brother, men. Women, get a, get a Bible reading sister. We, we were pushing this a lot last year because we want to be the kind of people that are regularly getting into the Word of God. So, so here's how this would go. I mean, you might find somebody that's in your small group, somebody here at church, uh, some, some, another believer, and you just say like, hey, you want to read the Bible together? You say, yeah, that sounds like a good idea. What do you want to do? Well, I thought we'd read the Bible. Okay? Like, where, where, what do you want to read? Where, where do you want to start? I don't know. Like, maybe we could, we could start in Genesis. We could start in the Gospels. Maybe we'll start in Matthew. Why don't, why don't we just do like a chapter a day? We'll, we'll, we'll read a chapter a day. Cool, let's do it. Like how will we know that we're actually doing it? Well, why don't we, we can either we can meet for breakfast. We, we, I can call you. We'll put a phone call on, on the calendar. Just half hour. We'll just check in. Just, how you doing? You spending time in God's word? What are you learning? What is God teaching you? Because we're trying to cultivate the discipline here. But don't miss that this is growing out of our relationship with Christ and the gospel and what he's done for us. And I know a lot of you are doing that and you would say, like, well, now what? I, you know, I, I, I am. I've got, my, I've got my plan. What I would say is focus on the relationship, not the ritual, right? We want to continue to let the word in so that it's natural and it's influential, it's bountiful, it's continual, and, and it's personal too. There's a relationship here. So he says, let the word of Christ dwell in you. So, so our English actually fails us there uh, because that you in the Greek is actually plural. And so we would normally, if we were going to translate it appropriately, then we would say you all. Now, I'm not from the South, but you know how they say it in the South. Come on, Ben. How do they say it in the South? Is that not a fantastic word? Like, can, can we just vote to like uh, add that to our vernacular around? That is such a helpful word, isn't it? So what he's saying is let the word of Christ dwell in y'all. So yes, there's an individual aspect to that, but, but it, this is for everyone. And I would love for this to describe our church, our uncommon community, that we, it's not just for the pastors. It's not just for the real Jesus freaks. This is for anyone who wants to see real change in a growing and vibrant, uncommon community. We need to be people of the book where the duty of our daily Bible reading becomes our delight because we're letting the word of Christ dwell richly in each and every single one of us. Let's let the word in, all right? That's the first part. Then secondly, note this. Use the word with one another. 
use the word with one another. Verse 16, he says, uh, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, and then teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom. So we are called to apply God's word in community. Now I'm going to tell you, uh, I'm going to share with you the way I grew up. When I was growing up, we had this thing called Sunday school. Ever, anybody ever heard of Sunday school? Y'all been to Sunday school? Okay. So like 20, 30 years ago, you couldn't find a church that didn't have Sunday school. Everybody had Sunday school. And a lot of times, I've got to be honest with you, there's some things that we kind of miss about Sunday school. Uh, the emphasis on Sunday school was school. It was a lesson, and, and you got to get the right facts, which was really important. We knew our Bibles. We knew all the stories. We knew the books of the Bible. We knew them in order. We knew everything. And so we would snicker at the people that would say things like, well, when Moses built the ark, what? <laughs> Moses didn't build the ark. What are they thinking? And then we would play these sick, practical jokes on people that didn't know their Bibles really well. We would say, open up your Bibles to Hezekiah 3.16. And we'd see them all like fumbling through. We're over there like, there is no Hezekiah. Don't tell them that. Like we, we would, and the reason we did this is because we knew our Bibles. That was an incredible benefit. But there was a danger. The danger is that it could be all up here. That, that, that we could know the right facts, but we weren't really living it out, and we weren't connecting with other people. And so there were these rebels in the church world that decided to start this thing. They swung over here, and they called it small groups. And small groups was going to be uh, all about right experience, right? Because we're going to do life together, man. We're going we're gonna to connect. We're going to hang out. We're going to build relationships. It's going to be sweet. We're just going to be together. We just need, don't we need to be together? And that's fantastic, and we need that, and that's an incredible benefit that we would have those relationships, but you can see the danger, right? If we swing so far away from knowing our Bibles, well now, yeah, we're connected, but we're super immature and we're not really growing, which means we're a pretty common community because we don't know our Bibles. And what I'm asking is, can we have both? Where we don't swing from Sunday school uh, knowledge all the way over to small group experience, but we have a balance where the centrality of God's Word in application is growing in community. Can we do that? That's what we're striving for when we gather together in our small groups. And so we say that our, our small groups, we would define them this way. Our, our small groups are uncommon communities growing in our everyday walk with Christ. Not just a Bible study, but for sure we're going to study our Bibles. It's not just a social group or a support group, but for sure we're going to hang out and we're going to encourage one another. But there's a balance here. We need to know our Bible if we are going to grow and see changed lives and fruitful ministry. In fact, Paul has actually already prayed for this in this book uh, earlier in chapter 1. I've got it on the screen. You can turn back if you want. But Paul was praying this, chapter 1, verses 9 and 10. He said, I'm asking that you may be filled with the knowledge. So, so he's not giving up on knowledge. Like, yeah, we need this experience. Yes, we need these relationships. But let's not lose the knowledge of his will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding, so as, purpose clause, so as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to Him, bearing fruit in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. We are not going to see transformation and bear fruit and multiply as disciples if we don't know our Bibles. We need the Word. And so that starts with you. Let the Word of Christ dwell in you richly. But, but then we're to be teaching and admonishing one another. So this idea of teaching means you're giving instruction. And I know most of you are like, well, I don't, I don't do that. That's not my thing. 
That's not, not, not how God is wired. And I, I realize God may not have wired you, gifted you, empowered you that way. Uh, you, you, you may not have a position that expects you uh, to be a teacher, but I'm just trying to share with you God's Word. What does it say? God actually expects that His Word is dwelling richly in y'all and that y'all are teaching one another. So, so mutual instruction is a part of uncommon community. Did you know that? You, you are called of God to teach your brothers and your sisters in the church. You say, well, what, what, what am I supposed to teach? What, what, what am I supposed to teach? Answer, what do we need? We need the Word, don't we? We just need to teach people the Word. So let me, let me, let me give you a scenario. Let, let's just play this out. This is how this will work, okay? Uh, let's just say that you're in small group, and someone in your small group, uh, they pipe up and they say, well, I can't, I can't teach. I'm not, I'm not a pastor. I didn't go to Bible school. There's an opportunity for you to teach. And where would you go? Well, maybe you'd take them right here. And you just kind of open up God's Word and say, well, actually... Uh, Colossians chapter 3, verse 16 says, Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom. Because you knew that, you were able to teach them. Or somebody says, you know what? I don't think it's right for you to tell me what I should and shouldn't do. He said, well, I'm not trying to tell you, but actually, like, can I just share with you what God's word says? We're supposed to let the word of Christ dwell in us richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom wisdom. So because I know the Word of God, I'm, and I don't have to be an expert in this, I just, I, I don't need a 30-minute lecture or even lesson plans or, or slides or videos or flannel graphics. Sometimes you just need to open up the Bible and let people know what it says. Can we do this? Can we do this? Why don't you encourage your brother, your sister sitting next to you right now, why don't you just turn to him, and I'm serious, this is important, would you just tell him, you can teach me. Go ahead and tell him. See, this is when our uncommon community really starts to grow, when, when we are full of the Word of Christ, and then we start using the Word with one another, and we're, we're teaching, and then it also says that we're admonishing. That, that word admonishing is really an interesting word. It actually means to, to warn somebody, or to, to challenge, or to, to lovingly confront someone. Well, now we're getting super awkward here, because we don't like to do that, right? But, but what, what, this is actually the same word that Paul used in chapter 1. In chapter 1, you can see it on the screen, verse 28, if you want to turn there. Paul already said this. He said, Him we proclaim warning. Same word. We're warning everyone and teaching everyone with all wisdom that, here's the purpose, that we may present everyone mature in Christ. So the purpose of our teaching and admonishing, our warning, our, our confronting is maturity. That's why we would do it. That's why we would do it because we want to grow in maturity and be a healthy church. Do we want that? Well, quite frankly, if, if, if we're only interested in like inflated numbers that make us feel better like we're growing, if we only care about getting bigger numbers, then we would tell you, like, don't do this. Don't, don't do this. Don't like ruffle any feathers. Don't don't, we don't need any confrontation going on in the church. Don't tell somebody that they're sinning, that they're going against God's word. They, they may not like that, and then they might not come. And we just need them to be here, okay? We don't need them to grow. We just need them to fill a seat, okay? That's, if, if that's all we cared about. But that's not what we care about, is it? We actually want to grow, and we want to see maturity. And so the idea then is that we would warn them 
by causing them to, to think. You're, you're, uh, I'm, I'm confident that this has happened. Your, your boss, your manager, your commanding officer at some point has warned you by saying something like, if you do this, you're going to pay the consequences. And it made you think twice, didn't it? But that's the idea here, that we would be teaching and instructing somebody, presenting just what God says, so that they will think, and they'll think twice, they'll think about what is true, and they will obey Christ. He says to do this in all wisdom. And wisdom is the ability to make good choices and please Christ based on what you know about Him and His Word. Listen, listen, we do not, do not, we don't need your opinion. We do not need your opinion. What do we need? We need the Word. So we're, playing, we're, we're, we're pleading that you would use the word with one another. When, when you see a brother or a sister and they don't, they don't know what the Bible says, or you see a, a brother and sister and they don't know how to make wise choices, or they're caught in, in sin and they're really wrestling with this and they're making foolish choices, I think, open up your Bible and teach and admonish one another. Don't go there. That's not what God wants. That's not going to satisfy. That's going to hurt you. It's going to hurt everybody else around you. Aim higher. There's so much joy in living for Christ. I want you to think about what God's Word says concerning how you spend your time and, and, and your commitment to our community here in the church, getting into the Word of God. I want you to think about the kind of media that you're consuming. I hear you talking about that. I just want you to, I want you to think about this. I want you to think about how you're treating your family and your friends, your, your, your words, your attitudes, your, your pursuits, the things that you're prioritizing. God's Word has something to say about these things, and we need the Word of God. But so often, I'm like, I ain't doing that. I don't want to, like, offend anybody. I don't want to, like, make anybody mad. And so what we end up doing is we allow one another to not grow in maturity. Can I just say that's not loving? And then we kind of have to keep up this false sense of peace and pretend like we're growing when we're probably not. So, so we need to be willing to speak up, but do it in a way that is loving, right? We already got that context. You look at verses 14 and 15 right before this. We already saw that. He said, and above all these, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony, and let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. And so we're, not, we're, not, we're doing this, we're speaking the truth, which is a loving thing to do, but we're speaking the truth in a way that is loving. Because we care. I'm not teaching and admonishing you because I want to prove to you that I know more than you, or that I'm better than you. I'm doing this because I care about you, and I want you to grow. And I hope that you would do the same for me. So I know that doing this, admonishing and Warning and confronting one another may not be popular, but it is necessary if we want to grow and please Christ and bear fruit. But we don't need your opinion. We need the Word. I just wonder, what if we were the kind of community that we just really loved one another? And we were so convinced that this book is what we need. And we loved each other enough to confront and to teach Hey, let's get into the Word together. We were convinced that the only way that we were going to be a growing, healthy church is if we really got into the Word of God. You believe that? This is what we're striving for. And that would be an uncommon community, would it not? 
but we need the Word of God. I'm going to ask our worship team to come. We're going to do something. We haven't done this in a while. But if you believe this, if you believe that we need the Word and you're thankful for it, then would you just take your Bible with you and uh, why don't we stand? And we're going to say this together. This is my Bible. We're going to declare these words. It's kind of like a creed. If you believe this, if you believe that this is the book that's going to change your life, and we're, we're aiming, we want to see 100 stories of lives transformed by the glory of God. It starts right here. If you believe this and you know you need this, why don't you lift high your Bible and let's just declare this together, all right? Why don't we say this together? This is my Bible. I am who it says I am. I can do what it says I can do. I am going where it says I will go. God's Word is milk for my soul. God's Word is seed for my faith. God's Word is light for my path. God's Word is power for my victory. God's Word is freedom for my life. When I read God's Word, it brings me joy. When I study God's Word, it keeps me from shame. When I memorize God's Word, it purifies my heart. When I quote God's Word, it defeats my enemies. When I meditate on God's Word, it brings me success. And when I abide in God's Word, it gives me confidence. I am a Bible-believing follower of Jesus Christ. Amen. Father, I pray that that would be true of us. That would be our community, that we love Jesus and we love your Word and we're being transformed by the Word of Christ. Would you let it dwell in us richly, that it would be so natural for us. Lord, that it would be influential. We would look to it to guide us. That it would be bountiful. It would be obvious to everyone that Jesus is filling us. Lord, that it would be something that we would see continually happening. We would see lives transformed because we are a people of this book. Thank you for giving us your word. We give you praise in Jesus' name.